And now it's Nico's Crazy Talk. Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. I'm Dustin Nation, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about FC Dallas versus the city of Los Angeles, the first game of which was on Wednesday versus LAFC, and then Saturday versus LA Galaxy. We're also going to touch a little bit on North Texas SC, see how their playoff hopes are coming along with Nico here. Uh, and speaking of which, Nico, good to see you, sir. It's good to see you as well. I feel like it's been a long time. Has the the lab still standing? The lab is still standing and we are still sciencing away. Science all the things. Also joining us this episode is Jonathan Roz. As always, Jonathan, how's it going? It's going good, man. I'm uh, excited to hear some NTSC talk from Nico. Uh, I heard there might be actually some positive things going on, so uh, you know, if we want to just fast forward to that, we can we can do that, Dustin. Hey, and listen. Mexico is still unbeaten in World Cup qualifier. It's great. What? I'm sorry, you're you're breaking up there, Nico. You said yeah, something about I'm, Mexico. Had a little trouble. And, yeah, it's crackle, crackling. Unbeaten, earphones. winning. <laughs> <laughs> Mexico. Yeah, well, um, you know, Jonathan, don't write off FC Dallas just yet. There is still something to play for for FC Dallas, and that is Copa Tejas where if they beat Austin on this coming Saturday or tie against Austin on this Saturday, then they win at least something this season. Not saying much. It's not saying it's, much it's, that they win that. Part. No, I almost want to go back to uh can't remember who it was that was that was raising money for that trophy and try to get my 20 bucks back because I kind of feel like it's it's not a whole lot of meaning to uh, to that trophy this year. It's that with the with the bottom dwellers that are uh, Austin FC, uh, the Dynamo, and 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 are our beloved FC Dallas. It'll mean something next year, though, right? Uh, I oh I actually I think so. I would expect that at least one of those clubs is going to turn it around. Hopefully, the one that's here locally in Dallas. Our uh, our brethren and sisterin over at the Striker Texas really hope so. Uh, it's been been a quite the quite the season for Texas soccer. It's a, it's a fan, fantastic year to to kick off your 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 Texas uh, soccer coverage, um, and then and then you get to deal with this fun. But listen, you're not going to find much better coverage of such terrible teams as 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 you would at the strikertexas.com. Um. All right, well, let's kick things off here and let's let's look back all the way to Wednesday. Uh, LAFC visited FC Dallas, came to Frisco. No, no, the stars of the show weren't there. So no Carlos Vela, Ricardo Pepe had a, a cut on his foot. Sounds like it was pretty nasty, required some stitches. So he didn't play either. So it was essentially the rest of the teams. And here's how it played out in it started good early on. Ryan Hollingshead got on the end of a, a cross and put the put the ball in the back of the net in the tenth minute to score, uh, to to put FC Dallas up one nil. But then in the thirty third minute, Matt Hedges collides with Raheem Edwards, and in the box, Dallas gets their 
league-leading ninth penalty. Hang on to that number for a second. Uh, and Christian Arango puts the penalty away 1-1. But the half wasn't over. Frank O'Hara uh, scored in the 45th minute to put FC Dallas up 2-1 at the break. So a pretty good half for FC Dallas. Now, one of the things that to notice here is that, uh, and I didn't mention it earlier, but Bob Bradley in the 26th and 27th minute made uh, basically a double change right at the beginning whenever he saw that that FC Dallas was pretty much out winning them in every area of the pitch. And so he completely went back to the drawing board, changed up his strategy, made some in-game adjustments. Um, and and that's important because later in the match, uh, FC Dallas seemed to uh, not be able to be able to make in-game adjustments. Right around the 75th minute, Christian Arango, the wheels come off. And that, that the 75th minute, also an important number. Christian Arango gets on the score sheet again. Uh, and then again in the 79th minute to complete his hat trick for the night, uh, a really great individual performance from Christian Arango. Um, not much else was done besides uh, after that. FC Dallas put on some 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 uh, attacking help with Andres Ricarte and Sebastian Schoon, but weren't able to actually turn things around, and that's how it ended a two-three loss to LAFC for FC Dallas. All right, and now we turn to Saturday, and we're going to kind of put these two games together because I think there are a lot of parallels to these two matches. It's They're four days away, halfway across the country, but it might as well have been the same game, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, early on in the first half, FC Dallas goes up, it goes ahead 1-0 off of a Jesus Ferreira world, worldly. Reminded, reminded me of the, the goal he scored against Sporting Kansas City from the top of the the circle in front of the box, uh, just slots at home, curls it around the keeper. Great shot. Forty uh, first minute, Frank O'Hara scores again. Uh, he's been hot lately. He go, puts FC Dallas up two to nil. Now at that point, the Galaxy uh, make some adjustments at halftime. So they go to the break down two nil. They come out. They make two subs at halftime. They bring on Samuel Grandsir. And Sebastian Legette, and that completely changes the the comp the compo- the complexure of the game. Uh, Grand Sear just basically had his his way on the right hand side of FC Dallas's. I guess it would be FC Dallas's left hand side of the, of, of the pitch. Um, Hollingshead and Obre and uh, Pomacall really not able to to do much to defend him, and it all builds builds up to the 65th minute when Jesus Ferreira gets his hand in front of the ball in the box. And yet, yes, it is another penalty for FC Dallas, their league-leading 10th penalty. So let's take a quick look at this. So the the penalty penalties conceded list, list for the whole league, FC Dallas leads the list with 10. The next closest team is Portland at seven. So that's three more conceded. And FC Dallas has only been given awarded two penalties, so it's it's it is the highest uh, differential between conceded and awarded in the league. Uh, but anyways, um, Javier Hernandez Chicharito uh, scores on the penalty, brings LA Galaxy back within one. 
So, uh, then remember in the last recap, I, I said, remember the 75th minute. So the wheels really start to come off for FC Dallas again in the 75th minute when Javier Hernandez Chicharito gets on the end of a pass from an impossible angle and puts the goal, puts it in the back of the net. And it's, it's only the only saving grace there is that somewhere in the buildup, <laughs> Uh, and I don't really understand when someone was offsides, and so uh, no goal. And it took it, it, it got crazy because no one really knew that there was wasn't a goal that there was offsides. There was no hand signaling from the referee. The the announcers on the on the TV broadcast didn't know. The announcers on the SC Dallas radio didn't know because even the official score sheet still said two to two. Finally. <laughs> We realize that it is actually just, in fact, one to two, but it didn't stay that for for very long. Uh, Grand Seer gets a cross in in the 83rd minute. Uh, Sebastian Legett puts it in. It's two two, and that's pretty well the way it stayed. But that wasn't the end of the craziness because in the 86th minute, Chicharito uh, gets slapped by Emma Tomasi, falls to the ground like he got shot, and Tomasi gets or no. It was who did they give the red card to? Uh, they gave it to. They gave it to Martinez first. Martinez, yes. and who, and who was then, on the other side of the pitch at the time? Yes. Yeah, and then it looked like they gave it to Hedges, and then he finally goes to the VAR, and turns out it was just a yellow card for other reason to Chicharito and to Tomasi. So craziness going on. Uh, seven minutes of extra time ends at two two, and you know we didn't even mention the craziness of the fight after the LAFC match between uh, Hara and uh, Raheem Edwards. And then I think Felipe got suspended because he kicked Edwards in the, in the midst of all the fracas. So just a crazy couple of matches. And I think Jonathan, you said it best. They're kind of the same match. If you just look at them. I mean, they had a lot of similarities. I mean, so that the, the first thing that jumps out at me is, Feel like Marco did not do a good job at all with his either with the substitution patterns or with the timing. So you could see that in in both matches, felt like the opposing coach was able to make some uh, alterations to how they were playing. Or in the second match, you, you would you started to see that you know some of the FC Dallas players who were playing their second match were starting to get tired, um, and we just didn't see the changes to match on the FC Dallas side. So in that, in that first match, in the first match, the one against uh, uh, LAFC, I think it was Acosta who came in um, for, uh, for Frank O'Hara, which pushed uh, Jesus Ferreira up as the, as a, as a striker for a very short period of time. Uh, And then he ended up shifting to the right. Um, And then, you know, all of the, the remainder subs kind of came pretty late in the match. And then it, well, it Vargas gets, got some minutes and he played up top. And then, yeah. And then Vargas <laughs> came in and played striker, uh, which I know that I, I know he's done some of that with NTSC. Um, but I still don't, it's, it seemed like a very unusual sub to, to be making. Uh, I, I didn't really understand the substitute passion pattern at all with the uh, LAFC match with the LA galaxy match. I think the subs were okay. They were just late. You can yeah. already see that the tide had changed, that the momentum was fully with the Galaxy. Um, and anyone who was watching that match was 
could see that happening and was waiting for the subs to happen. Uh, and I know they just didn't. It, they just didn't. They just, they just didn't happen. And then once once it did, it was it was a little bit too late. The momentum was on uh, the Galaxy side, and uh, FC Dallas was, was trying to, even though they they may have been ahead, it seemed like they were chasing the game at that point. Yeah, the 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 subs in the LA Galaxy match didn't even come until the seventy seventh minute, which was after the the waved off goal by Chicharito. So and it was it was very confusing because we thought they'd gone up in two two and they're bringing on Brisson. <laughs> we're like, what? Why are we bringing on a defender at this point? Like, we're just gonna ride it out. I mean, I guess we're just gonna ride it out. Uh, it's just very odd. It 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 was, and then I think. You know, one of the other things that I that I noticed in both of the matches is uh, the recovery speed on the back line is very poor. You know, other than other than Emma, I think Emma has done a pretty good job of getting back and covering. I think part of that is because his positioning is a little, is is generally not as far forward as uh, Hollingshead. Um, but you've seen that once FC Dallas starts to get stretched, um, a team like you know, LFC or the Galaxy or, or other teams throughout the season have been able to kind of stretch that back line and get in behind. And I think that's just gotten worse now with uh, some of the personnel choices that Marco's made for for whatever reason, uh, refusing to play uh, Tafari. Uh, and then, you know, when you're chasing the game, oftentimes Ryan, Ryan he's he's does a lot of good things on the offensive side, right? Um, but, you know, if, if he's pushed all the way up the pitch and you've got Martinez and Hedges trying to chase a player on the, on the right-hand side or their left, uh, it's it's neither one of those guys have fantastic recovery speed. So it's it's something that I, I don't either they need to do something different tactically and sit back more or they need to to change up that partnership because I think both those guys are a little bit too similar. Yeah. It's just, it's a shame too cuz for a long time I felt like Matt Hedges was one of the best recovery center backs there was mainly just because he of the folks he had to play with he had to play with walker zimmerman who took risks he had to play with uh, um can't remember the other guy who took risks brisson took risks uh and and um you know the the stalwart back there has always been matt hedges and this but season hedges he hasn't yeah he hasn't back from the injury he hasn't long. come back as much but he's also played a lot it's always been good positioning as much as it is speed Right, because I think that some of those other other guys that do play more aggressive, they're also a little bit faster than Matt, and I think that gives them the ability maybe to be a bit more, I'm going to say, reckless. Right, um, but you know, Martinez is definitely not that guy. He's he's extremely conservative, um, and neither one of those players are are are, uh, are great at, like I said, at making those recovery runs and uh, when when an opposing team is coming at them at at full speed. Yeah. Um- I want to touch on in-game adjustments because this is Marco Ferruzzi's audition. And it's some something that has plagued FC Dallas all season long. And one of the things that Lucci got criticism for was his ability to read a game and make changes to to adjust for it in, in the in the middle of the match, the in-game adjustments. And it seemed like both of these games Feruzzi just got completely outcoached Bradley brings in players in the 26th minute changes the complexion of the game long run LA Galaxy bring in uh players at halftime changes the game and 
And the, really, there was no answer from Feruzi. Nico, is that how you see things? I do agree that kind of that was going to be my thing. My biggest takeaway from these two games is the overall game management of the games. Um, you know, FC Dallas having either a lead or being tied and then just kind of not being able to maintain um, the, the the scoring advantage that they have. Um, but it's an interesting point that you bring up about, I guess, Marco's and Lucci's ability to kind of bring in players that can impact the game. And I guess just for, just for, uh, what's the word? To be the contrarian, um, yet again, I wonder if it's also part of it is the, the, the players that are at the dispense for both Marco and Lucci. I mean, in comparison, you have LAFC, I mean, <laughs> LAFC and the way they go out and buy players and then try to flip them at a, I guess at a larger scale, um, than FC Dallas and then LA Galaxy. Um, so I think part of it is, yes, there is Part of it is kind of on the coaching, but also there's only so much that they can do with the players that are given to them. Um, and I wonder if also there's just something that both Lucci and Marco are also seeing that we're just not seeing that becomes very evident within training as well. Um, probably especially in those last two, day, last two days of training when it's all closed off to the media and that's when they really do their walkthrough and go, go about these are the particular tactics and the coaches know that which players can actually execute a particular tactic or a particular play style that I'm looking for. Um, and part of it is also <laughs> granted, you know, always take Twitter with a large tablespoon of salt, but <laughs> you also have those rumblings of saying, okay, maybe Lucci wasn't the problem. Maybe Marco isn't the problem and maybe it really is the player personnel. Um, and to continue going off of tangent, I mean, a lot of what we've talked about this season is the homegrowns are the ones that are performing really well. It's, the veteran players that we've discussed the most about coming up short. I mean, just right now we were talking about Matt Hedges, uh, for example. I mean, some of these other older signings or I guess younger DPs or what we would classify as younger DPs or young impact players, they're coming in and maybe not produce. I mean, for example, Sean, a lot of people are asking, hey, what happened to Nkosi Tafare and what happened to Sean, right? These are young players that earlier in the season have shown that, yes, we can um, compete and make I an really impact. I really want to know. I really want to know. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very complex question that has, multi, I guess, can be argued in multiple ways. So I, I understand the, the personnel piece. And I think that Marco's done okay, other than I think he, his first, I can't remember if it was the first match or the second match, he tried to get a little bit too creative with the, with the lineup um, and it didn't pan out. But I think, once he's got this break and he's got a couple of, of weeks, it looked honestly a lot like formation wise, a lot like Lucci was playing right at the end of his tenure. And I think the starting personnel was fine. You could see that on the, on the scoreboard. I think in this case, it was just more around the being able to understand when, when it's time to start making those changes um, versus, you know, the, the, the first, you know, 60 minutes in both matches were actually, you know, fairly well, uh, fairly well played by the, the, the people on the pitch. Um, I guess I was just going to interrupt you really quickly. I also guess, you know, in Dan Hunt's press conference, he also mentioned that it's the defense that we want to clean up. So if that's going to be our measuring stick and yardstick, then, I mean, <laughs> I guess that can also kind of factor into the answer overall. So 
so let me let me read to you if I might um, the goals allowed for by FC Dallas since since uh, Lucci was left let out let go there we go got it nailed it all right so Lucci was let go in middle of September right before the Minnesota match into September middle of September right before the Vancouver match there we go so goals allowed since the Houston match where FC where Lucci got let go after uh, one to Vancouver three to Kansas City zero to Minnesota three to LAFC and two to LA um, not so to, grand total of nine goals in one two three four five matches so two goals a match basically um, this this roster is not gonna be able to produce goals in a steadfast enough manner to overcome shipping two goals on defense every match. So I don't, I don't know what, what Dan Hunt's talking about there. It, what, whatever the changes that he thought were going to be happening, it just haven't happened. I think it was, it was hopeful thinking on his part. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll take almost everything that was said during that entire press conference with a, with a grain of salt, but <laughs> yellow cards, penalties, defense, <laughs> Yes, and we're and and we're going to win it all. We're making the playoffs. Yes, so the n- none of which you know, the, all those bad things continued, and obviously we all kind of chuckled when he said playoffs. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it, yeah, I, th- I think it's just it, it's definitely is the personnel, right? I think more than the the coach, uh, and I think that's this this club just has maybe not necessarily holes all over the the pitch as far as like not having any players that can play maybe at MLS level they just don't really have very many players who are at that next level so if we look at for example uh you know uh Cirillo and Cervania uh I think have played well since they've been starting right they've played yeah, yeah. Fine. They've, they've played fine and it's you know it's one of those ones that you see uh you know Marco is playing them it's kind of kind of nice to see that you know getting some of the the young kids minutes they're playing okay but I mean, neither one of those guys are um, either. You know, Cirillo is still young. He's he's definitely not a game changing six, right? He, he's he's getting better. Cervania um, is starting to play a little bit more. He's he's got some good passing and he's playing a little bit more aggressively. I, I've been happy with him, but you know, even in that case, where you know, a couple of players where I would say that they're positive lights for this club. Um, Neither neither one of those are going to be some a difference maker, right? And I think you could probably go through the entire club with the exception of Ricardo Pepe, right? Who we know is not going to be here very much longer, um, and make the same case that that there's nobody there's nobody on this club who's not just kind of MLS caliber. Yeah, they're they're all fine MLS players, but that's about it. Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying there. Um, Let's let's tie things off on these matches. Uh, like I, I just want to say, uh, I was thinking as we were watching the LA Galaxy match, we, I, I, the first forty five minutes happens half, halftime. I'm thinking, oh, this is the this is deja vu from July, from when when Pepe went off, got his hat trick. LA uh, Galaxy, sorry, FC Dallas just whipped LA Galaxy, and then slowly throughout the second half. I'm like, nope, this is just deja vu from Wednesday. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, 
just how like, we already talked about how how similar the games were, but I I, I wanted to touch on one more similarity that we haven't talked about yet. And it's kind of looking to be a trend. And in fact, we, on the radio broadcast with Owen and, and Steve, we, we ended the broadcast talking about hot air Obreon and complimenting hot air Obreon. Did you guys think that we would have this hot air Obreon, uh, and we would be talking about him? Not, not, not if you had asked me three months ago. No, but, uh, Oberon's been playing quite well now for it's probably eight, ten matches, right? Um, and I think it's it's now to the point where, hey, maybe maybe they don't need to go out and sign a, a right winger in the offseason where if you'd asked me a couple of months ago, I would have said uh there's that's still despite the the fact that they've uh plugged in, it seems like five, six wingers in the offseason are gonna need to go do it again. So I think Oberon's actually been uh, been a little bit of of a difference maker, I think, for this club, uh, which is which is fantastic to see. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think I think what we've seen, I think there's two things at play here. There's there's one that um, he just stays on his feet more, and the other is that he's mentally adjusting to the way this team plays and also the way the league works. And he's just making better choices with the, with the ball. He's not like trying to take on the world. He's not his. He's not uh, trying to outrun everybody. He's finding the right passes at the right time. In fact, on Wednesday against LAFC, he got two an assist in both of the uh, FC Dallas uh, goals, and uh, he, he was lively again against LA Galaxy and caused a lot of troubles um, on on the wing. So, I. I think you're. I I would agree with you, Jonathan. I think that um, he really turned a page the past month or so. A little, unfortunately, a little too a, too little, too late. There we go. Nailed it. Well, I think that it's it's more now the the other wing that I'm worried about, and this is kind of this is this is this is my random question for for Nico, which is, all right, so. It, it, it seems to me, and you can you can you can disagree with this that Paxton's kind of seems to have dis disappeared, just disappeared over the last couple of months. He's I getting disagree. he's getting minutes, but he's not really having an impact. Um, and for whatever reason, Shun's not getting more than five ten minutes, right? So, do you think that it's time to maybe switch that up? Maybe have uh, Shun get some of those starting minutes and have uh, Paxton come off the bench, do something to switch things up? That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, man. Yeah, looking looking at the Paxton situation, it is kind of weird because I think the general understanding with Paxton for 2021 was that he'll come in, uh, try to find some sort of consistency, not get injured. Uh, take the proverbial bubble wrap off of him <laughs> and hope for the best and then see see what happens there. Um, and it looked like he started to really, really start to grow in both confidence and performance. Um, and then it just kind of, I wouldn't say dip off, but more, more so of kind of like this plateau. Um, but I, just, I, I, I wouldn't know what to tell you. I don't have a definitive answer as to yes take him and bringing him yeah. off the bench would be good or just you know letting him rest would be good 
Um, maybe, maybe the, maybe the Lucci departure had a big impact. I mean, for a lot of these younger guys, you know, Lucci did play a large part of their careers. I'm not saying that's exactly how they're all feeling or that's exactly the case, but I mean, it's not to say that (laughs) this didn't have some sort of effect on them. Granted, they are professionals and they know this is just how the sport goes. Um, but I don't know. I think you can apply that to nearly all the players on this team though you could i mean ryan holling said uh matt hedges jose martinez <laughs> jimmy mauard uh literally everybody in the midfield has just all kind of had their weird moments of the season in general um and it's really starting to look like this off season along with the new coaching hire will be much needed kind of for everyone yep if i can if i can can i weigh in on this question for nico go for it yes uh no, I think you 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 hit the nail on the head with the just his his body being tired. Um, you know, this season was supposed to be a recovery or like a you kind of dip the dip the toes back in the water, get back up to shape. Um, and turns out he's played more games this season than he's ever played in his career. Twenty eight games played versus twenty nineteen where he played twenty five games. Um, and then he he's got 1329 minutes this season and he had 150 last season. So I I really think that there's a combination of things going on with Paxton. Um, one is his body is just tired, right? For we've been doing two games a week for how long now? And he's been, he's been in starting most of them. Um, and I think, did I say two things? <laughs> yeah. And oh, oh, I remember the other one. Uh, the, with, with Paxton, I really feel like it takes the right group of players around him for him to really thrive and, and be on the same wavelength with them in order for him to be able to really shine. We saw it whenever it was Paxton and Shun and Jesus and Pepe up, up top and Paxton played a lot better in those matches. They all played better in those matches, but whenever the the right people aren't around him and he's not able to, I don't know, whatever connection he needs in order to feel like he's going to, you know, show some sauce or or take on the world, right? He just hasn't had that um, as the kind of the personnel's changed from that the, that front four heyday. I really like that last point, Dustin, because um, like you're saying, when Paxton has put on his better performances. It's kind of all part of this very intense, let's go at it um, kind of style, like what you're getting with all those younger players around him. Um, And I also wonder, you know, with this whole defense first, let's fix the defense thing, has also kind of played a little bit of a part of into it. Absolutely. All right. So anything else we want to touch on for FC Dallas? We already touched on... Copa Tejas is still in, in play after they'll, they'll play um, RSL on Wednesday and then Austin on Saturday for all the marbles in Texas, which aren't very many marbles this year. Um, but a team that still has something to play for and is, is starting to show some mojo is North Texas SC. And that brings us to our North Texas SC check-in with Nico. Uh, Nico. You ready to talk about some North Texas soccer? I am very ready after this weekend. All right. Um, well, you know what? You you haven't been 
around. Like we we missed an episode with you. It's been a couple of weeks. I think you've accrued some some extra time for your ninety two second check in. So we're gonna do this episode with no timer. I, I still have and no. I know, right? I can get you. I can get you a gong if you want. Just you just point at me when you want a gong. But uh, no no drum roll. No. <laughs> No timer going, no Jeopardy music. I still have a couple seconds from last month's plan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just, just bank them. Just bank them. <laughs> no, um, this past weekend was a really big and kind of crucial weekend for North Texas and really any team in USL League One in general. Uh, there's only one game left in the season for most teams, with the exception of Fort Lauderdale and South Georgia Tormenta, who have been eliminated. Um and so North Texas has kind of struggled a little bit as in the latter half of the season, really just securing three points at home, um, partially because either they go down a goal and then they have to work their way back up to get a point or they have this lead and very last second or last few minutes, they're giving up goals that cost them points. Um, so with this game, uh, this most recent game, uh, it, it was against New England Revolution too. It's a really big, really big deal game for them because New England was sitting right above them in the playoff, uh, in the playoff hunt. So it was six versus five, uh, in <laughs> in 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 almost kind of typical fashion in some aspect. North Texas gives up a very early minute goal in the fourth in the fourth minute. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, but it seemed to have kind of waken up the players. They they just jumped into this whole another high gear, um, and then Texas was handed a red card. So now they're <laughs> in the twenty fifth minute. <laughs> so now they've got to play the rest of the game with a with a, a man down the entire time. But um, needless to say that that it seemed a confluence of kind of a lot of things going against them at the moment. Really, kind of pushed the team forward. I mean, Eddie Manjoma getting getting a goal just a few minutes later after New England's goal. Um, then you have the second half where New England gets a penalty and they converted it, but <laughs> the striker had double-touched it twice, uh, once kicking and then slipping, and then I guess touching it again. So that penalty... Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he kicks it... That sounds like it could have happened in the LA Galaxy <laughs> match. The conky, full, full on Full-on conkic half. The beauty of CONCACAF. So that goal was kind of disallowed, and that was just really a pivotal moment for North Texas right there. And Bernard Camungo comes in, scores the second goal. Gibran Rayo scores the third goal. And it's kind of securing, getting that two-goal lead that just North Texas vitally needs to really help them close out games. And then Bernard Camungo, again, in the very last minute, just scores another goal. So really big convincing win for North Texas right there, playing a man down for a good chunk of the game uh, against a quality playoff team that they're against. So in terms of the playoff standings, they currently sit in fifth, top six make the playoffs. Um, and so if they win, they're in. If they draw, they can still make it with some help around the league and they can technically lose and still need even more help around the league to still make the playoffs. Um, so conveniently enough, their last game is at Choctaw Stadium, so at home. Maybe not so convenient is against Union Omaha, which is the best team in the league. So that's going to definitely be a really tough game. But the North Texas's playoffs playoffs hopes is kind of well in their own hands. That's what you really want at the end of the season, though. If like if you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to skate in, 
you want to put yourself in a position where you control your own fate and you're not at the the whims of of the soccer gads basically no now how much of that that grit and determination do you think was due to kazoo night i was gonna say dustin when i saw that i was like oh look at that dustin it's got to be all happy there. And man, I think even someone would tweet it like, oh, whoever came up with this idea is now going to be the new VP of marketing. So congrats, Dustin. It looks like people Thank you. are Thank you. <laughs> you to be the new VP of marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't remember whether I actually I think I said it on the show and then I immediately texted um, someone at the at the club and like, you got to make this happen. And I don't know that I don't know that that actually panned out or if it was like some sort of coincidence but it happened and i am on record as saying that they should do it there you go it was, it was meant to be it, it i know and look what the, look how it turned out 4-1 win the bernard Kumundo coming out party like he that was his show like it's what a what a better story on kazu night then i guess maybe it would be better if kazu scored mm-hmm. you know five goals but mm-hmm. the second best story there you go his family was there, which was nice. There you go. All right. What else do we, anything else we need to know about North Texas? Go out to the last game. I I will say that to any of the pod listeners that were at that game, much credit to them. That came across very well in the broad, broadcast. They were really getting into it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, go, go, go out to their last game. It's, it's their team. That is definitely a team to watch. I keep saying this over and over, but it, I mean, it's true. You will definitely be entertained all the way up to the very <laughs> last minute, as <laughs> was the case with this game. Very nice. And that game is in Arlington on Saturday, October 30th at 8.30 p.m. A little bit of a collision with the FC Dallas match So against Austin. So, you know, weigh, we guess you can weigh your, your options there. Playoff game. Um, Hmm? Playoff game against yeah. a broccoli Playoff. team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots, lots of stuff to 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 put on that decision, but the decision is yours, dear listener. All right. So again, North Texas uh, plays down at Choctaw Stadium on Saturday, October thirtieth. Uh, I think I misstated earlier that it was at eight thirty. I think it's at seven thirty. Is that right? Yep. Alrighty, and then. FC Dallas is at home against RSL at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night, and then again on Saturday at 7 p.m. against Austin. Uh, both of those games um, are at home, so let's let's they're the last ones of the season before FC Dallas closes out the season in San Jose in November. Uh, if you enjoyed this show, there is a subscribe button somewhere in your podcast app, and you should press it. Because if you press it, you get us in your ears whenever we come out with a new episode. And you don't even have to like go find us and download it again. It just happens automatically. Um, yeah, you should totally do that. And you can also catch us online as at Dallas Soccer Show on Twitter. Um, and then on our website, DallasSoccerShow.com. Also, check us out. We're also over at TheStrikerTexas.com. For my friends, Jonathan Roz. Nico Mendez, I'm Dustin Nation. Thanks so much for listening.